up, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texas All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter, and glad to be with you on this wonderfully, well, it's raining where I am, so hopefully it's raining where you are. But then again, it's Houston, so you just never know. But glad to be with you, as always. we got a fun show. We're going to hear from Steven Nelson, cornerback from the Houston Texans, here in just a little bit, and we're also going to go in the lab. Yes, Drew Doherty and myself decided to get back together. It's been a little while because we had our scheduled week of vacation, if you will, uh, with Houston Texans, and we were back and got it done. So we'll have in the lab for you in a little bit. And there's been a trade. And yes, it does not include your Houston Texans, so... I don't know if that makes it any more, any less sexy than something else, but there was a trade, and it happened to do with a former number one overall draft pick, a Texan. Technically, he's a Texan because Baker Mayfield is from Texas. We'll talk about that a little bit later in the show, but as I mentioned, we had a chance to catch up with Steven Nelson. Now, if we were... Going through this roster, and we, we're going to point out players that, whether it's because of the way they played last year, because of where they were drafted, because of they came over, because they're new to the Texans, however you want to slice it. Steven Nelson, and I hope he doesn't internalize this, but he carries probably more pressure than a lot of players on the Texans in 2022. Now, look, the quarterback always carries pressure, so Davis Mills is always going to have that. And the pressure of playing well to have the Texans overlook this crowded and talented 2023 NFL draft class of quarterbacks, so Davis is always going to be carrying that. But Steven Nelson, I got a feeling, is carrying a lot of pressure. Look, he didn't sign a massive James Bradbury-like one-year deal or anything like that, but the Texans' corners have struggled. Let's be brutally honest. The Texans' corners have struggled since the days of Kareem Jackson, Jonathan Joseph, and going all the way back to 2016 when they had Kevin Johnson. They signed Bradley Roby for the 2019 season, and he had some moments. They traded for Garyon Conley, and that was a bust after eight games. It was just, that was it. That's all we got out of Garyon Conley. Just <sighs> Terrence Mitchell last year had some moments. I thought Terrence did some good things out at corner, but... Not enough. Uh, Lonnie Johnson was supposed to be that next guy. He wasn't. Quite frankly, just not a corner. But, oh well, good. see what he can do at Kansas City. They've tried a lot of different bodies, body types, player types. Desmond King played inside, then he went outside, and he actually did some pretty good things, and he's back this year. But the Texans went out and signed Steven Nelson after having a couple of solid years, uh, leaving the Chiefs, going to play in for the Philadelphia Eagles and coming over to the Texans signed a two-year deal. He's got a lot of pressure because teams are going to challenge that side of the field. Now they might want to challenge the rookie Derek Stingley. That's a talented dude. So my guess is, well, we'll go back the other way. We'll challenge Steven Nelson. Now, if there's a guy that is going to feel like he's up for the challenge, I got a feeling it's going to be Steven Nelson. The guy has been through it to get to where he is. He is subsisted in this league battered probably early in his career with the Kansas city chiefs. Probably not loved, I guess, but then he had some time with the Steelers and the Eagles and did some good things for those two organizations. 
and hopefully he can continue that as he comes over to the Houston Texans. So let's kick off tonight's show with little Steven Nelson, one of the spotlight players I will have going into training camp. I know he's carrying a lot of pressure. I got a feeling that he is going to be able to handle it as he handled this interview with me and more. Let's go. So Lovey Smith defense, when you hear those words, and you're signing with the Texans. What does that mean to you? Man, it means a lot um, to play for, you know, a coach like that of his caliber that's uh, been around, been doing it for a long time. You know, previous head coach, uh, great uh, D.C. in his time. Um, and to circle the wagons and come back and be a head coach for Houston, Texas, man, it's, it's uh, you know, a dream come true for me. Um, granted, that I, I live in this area, so it's just awesome. How's it been out there on the practice field for you so far? And what can you get accomplished this time of year before the training camp grind gets started? Man, it's it's been good, man. Um, meshing well with the guys, um, with the coaches, you know, just getting some uh, familiarity going on. Um, and then during this time, you know, OTAs, it's not as much contact as you would like uh, leading up in the training camp going into the season. So right now it's just all about – getting your feet in the ground, you know, getting the looks, getting the playbook playbook down, and most importantly, just, uh, you know, building that chemistry with the guys around you. Steve, for a lot of fans that – Texans fans that may not be NFL fans or just, hey, we're Texans fans, we watch the Texans, they may not have seen you play. Mm-hmm. What do you bring to the table? What do you think the, you would like the fans to know about you, Steven Nelson, playing corner? Well, um, I mean, going back, I mean, I've been a starter in this league uh, for almost, what, the past seven years, my eighth year. Um, I played on, um, you know, plethora, not a plethora, but I played on good teams, yep. um, playoff teams, AFC championship teams. Um, so I'm coming in and, um, you know, just bringing that leadership, uh, professionalism that I can share amongst, you know, the younger guys. And, you know, I'm always going to uh, give them my all. You said you don't get as much contact as you would like in OTAs. So <laughs> yeah. you like the contact because yeah. I get the feeling that, you know, playing your position, some guys yeah. like the coverage aspect of it more, yeah. but you like the hitting aspect of it more or less. Weigh that out for us. Well, I was like meaning, meaning like contact, meaning like for the bigger guys, you know, they want to get going. And, okay. You, know, you kind of got to, you know, uh, put a leash on them a little bit and pull them off, you know, keep everybody safe. But um, I guess to answer your question, I, during this time, I don't like as much contact. You know, I don't want to get any weird injuries. But during the, when it's go time, yeah, I will stick my nose in there for sure. sure. Steven, as a guy that's been around the league, you've seen some things. You definitely yeah. have. Yeah. And then you got some young guys that are coming into the NFL for the first time. Right. Not that you have a responsibility as a veteran, but mm-hmm. what are the things that you share with the young guys? What are What are the key things you want? Yeah young guys to learn that you had to learn as you were growing up in the NFL? Man, I say, you know, just don't take anything for granted. Um, like, like as you know, uh, we were talking earlier about, uh, you know, a guy that I, that played in my college. Um, you know, the game could be taken away from yeah, yeah. you, you know, uh, in one play, you know. So, you know, when you're out there, when you're in the weight room, in the film room, you know, take it seriously, man, because it can be taken away. So you said you live in the area. So you moved here permanently when was that, and how, just describe that for us. Yeah, so um, about an hour away, uh, I got a, uh, a farm, actually, and I uh, got some lands. And, uh, you know, me and my family moved out here uh, prior to me even signing here. Um, so it, it, it just kind of worked out perfectly how things aligned. 
All right, we heard about the farm. Tell us a little bit about the farm, the yeah. listeners who don't know. <laughs> what are you growing there? Yeah. What are you using it for? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's pretty much like like an everyday farm, like you see. Um, we have, you know, pasture. We have uh, goats, sheep, uh, pigs, uh, chickens, uh, you name it, um, peacocks. Oh. Yeah, and we have, uh, you know, we have a nice garden. You know, we... we you know, it's a grocery store there. That's what I call it. That's pretty cool. Now, you're from yeah. Georgia originally. Right. But went to Oregon State uh-huh. and then obviously have been moving around. Yeah. What made what made Houston the place where you wanted to reside? Your family here? Was it you visited here and you just fell in love with it? What why, what made Houston the place? Obviously, you played for Texans, but yeah. even before that, what made um, that, this the place? So, you know, I'm being into the market and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been around, have real estate or whatnot. Um, prior to me moving here, I was in Arizona yep. and, um, you know, I just always knew that, you know, eventually I wanted to have, you know, more space, you know, to do what I wanted to do, you know, with the farm and stuff like that. So, um, you know, this was a perfect opportunity where the market is at right now. It's, you know, you're not going to break your leg, you know, trying to, you know, get a, yeah, get yeah. a piece of uh, property. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it just made sense, man. And like, long behold, Sign with the Texas. This ain't L.A., man. No. Like, no your farm, no, you, are, no. you aren't getting that a lot of, no. lot of other places. Speaking no. of L.A., man, I can't help but notice. You got Kobe. Yes, sir. What does Kobe mean to you? Man, Kobe, Kobe, you know, he just kind of keeps me in that place to where, you know, um, you know, I have to remain in that, in that focus, you know, at all times. You know, I never can relax because he never did. You know, uh, if you go back when – Kobe was in his prime, you know, he's won championships, uh, several accolades, you know, he just never took his foot off the pedal. And that's what I, uh, and that's what I admired about him, man. So when he passed, you know, he's one of my favorite players in NBA. I just, you know, got a tattoo of him. Okay. Is it time for either or? I think it's time. I've got one more for Steven Nelson here because, all right, you were at college of the Sequoias, right? Then Georgia briefly, then Oregon state, correct? Oh yeah. Well, I, I committed to Georgia and decommitted, so okay. I, I never went. But yes, I com- I committed. But you're a businessman, yeah, and obviously know a lot about a lot of different things. What is your thought on the way NIL is going right now for the college athletes? Ooh. And do you have any ideas, solutions, <laughs> guidelines? What are yeah. you thinking here? Do we have enough time even for that? <laughs> I mean, I'll just say one thing, man. I think it's awesome, you know, for those for those kids, man. Uh, I wish we had opportunity, you know, going yeah. back and you know getting some of that money, you know, kind of. You know, being able to, uh, you know, take care of your family, whatever. Um, but, you know, people have different views on it and what it's doing for, you know, college and whatever. And, uh, you know, it does make it a little more competitive as far as getting players. So, you know, I don't know along the lines of that, but I, I do feel like as far as for the players, it's, it's great. Because there are a lot of players, and the player that you were referencing was James Rogers, who yes. played at Lamar Consolidated. And James, I mean, the Rogers brothers are, are legends at yep. Oregon State. I mean, right. they're, they're legends. Yes. Unfortunately, James got hurt. He didn't have a chance to go to the NFL like Quiz did. Right. NAL would have been perfect for him because right. every, you know, pizza joint, every restaurant, yeah. every, you know, gas station sold yeah. tacos or whatever, and Corvallis yeah. would have wanted James to speak for them. For and that sure. would have been that would have been some money that, you know, yeah. made up for the fact that he ended up not going or could not go to the NFL because of that injury he ended up having. So for sure. it would have been perfect. Okay. Well, either or. I think I know the answer to this first one, but the greatest, Michael or Kobe or LeBron? I'll make it a three-way. 
Um, <laughs> you could put a wild card entry yeah. in there if you want. Or wild card. A wild card. All right. You want to go to the wild card? Uh, I mean, I think Steph has to be in a conversation. Oh, okay. I think All Steph, right. you know, he got a lot of ball left to play, and, you know, he to, to kind of, you know, get on that level. But he's definitely uh, in there if we're going wild card. But, um I'm gonna just have to say MJ. I'm no uh, Kobe. Kobe's my you know favorite player, but uh, MJ, you know you gotta gotta go with the go with the goat. Okay, either you eat only pineapple pizza or you never have pizza again. Um, I think I'm gonna take the pineapple pizza. Okay, good. Yeah. If you take the pineapples off, it's still gonna taste like pineapple though, because the pineapple juice. The citrus, the citrus is yeah. definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's but you're strong. okay with it. I'm okay. Yeah, right. I like yeah. pineapple. Yeah, there's weird combination. Just... Who I don't, who created that? But, I don't uh, know. Uh, yeah. I don't know. Marcus Mariota, who's from Hawaii, says not a Hawaiian thing. So <laughs> they just um, slapped it on there. <laughs> shoes, AJ ones or AJ elevens? Uh, go ones. Business dress shoes, clean Jordans or leather dress shoes. Um, uh, that's a two-way go for me. That's a two-way go. See, that's for a me. tough. One. I like, I like, I like both. Because uh, a clean player of Jordans with a suit can look yeah. nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Look it, tight. It, it just depends on the the environment. Okay, it's right. environment yeah. for me. I can appreciate that it's context. Yeah. Yes. Uh, better teammate, Iron Man or Batman? <laughs> I'm gonna go Iron Man. Favorite Houston food, Tex-Mex, or brisket slash barbecue. See, that's a tough one right there. That that's, is a tough that's one. That's choosing between your children, Johnny. <laughs> but I'm forcing you to choose between that's your children. Rough. That's rough. That's the last one, by the way, so go ahead. Yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I know my, my, my Houston natives would like me to go with the brisket. Okay. All right. <laughs> Steven, thanks so much for joining us. Best of luck. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. That was fun getting to know Steven Nelson in Oregon State. Beaver, a lot of ties to Oregon State and the city of Houston. And obviously, Steven lives here now, and hopefully he is going to rise to the challenge in 2022 and make that corner position alongside Derek Stingley, Desmond King, one of the better ones in the AFC. All right, we get back. We're going to go a little in the lab because apparently Drew Doherty didn't like what Mark and I put together on our villain status. We went Peyton Manning, T.Y. Hilton, Gillette Stadium, and Robert Mathis and Dwight Freeney. Drew thinks somebody else should be added to that mix. And honestly, I tend to agree with Drew on this one. We'll do that next right here on Texas All Access. All Access. All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. From the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio, I am John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. Glad to be with you. And it's time to go in the lab. And on today's episode, apparently, Drew Doherty has an issue with Mark and myself. Now, it's not an issue that can't be rectified, but this comes out of a segment that Mark and I did a couple weeks ago talking about the Texans' all-time villains, which we came up with Peyton Manning, T.Y. Hilton, Gillette Stadium, Dwight Freeney, and Robert Mathis as one group. That left one open for people to respond and tell us what they thought. Got a lot of confirmation about T.Y. Hilton. Well, Drew thinks we got it wrong at number one. He thinks it should be somebody else and not Peyton Manning. I disagree. I disagree. But here's what Drew had to say. Here's in the lab for this. You all had a ranking, and you put Peyton Manning up there first. We did. That was pretty obvious. Which, it is obvious, but, I mean, he was everybody's foe. I mean, he was, he yeah. was a multi-time MVP. But it's he okay. He feasted on the Texans. He 
you know, everybody hates Harvard. It's okay. He padded his stats certainly against the Texans. That he did. But a more of a villain who I think if you were to have one of those Mount Rushmores of Texans right. villains, I think he's, I say this, his face would be on it twice. It's T.Y. Hilton. Okay, well, T.Y.'s on our list, right? Good player. And yep. he, yeah, y'all have him second. And yep. li- listen to the numbers. 32-9. and nine. <laughs> I know why. Colts are 32-9 against the Texans all time, including when Hilton wore a mask. Why, see, Mark didn't even put the stats in there for T.Y. Hilton. Well, I remember at one point, listen, I'm trying to remember which point, which point it was, but at one point he had had in 14 games against the Texans, it was like 98 receptions for mm-hmm. – like 1,700 yards and 14 touchdowns or some sick number like that. I mean, I can remember the games more so than anything else. The 2017 game, mm-hmm. uh, the one right after Deshaun had gotten hurt, he went nuts in that game. 2014, he went crazy. He just had those games. And, and the thing is, is the, the clown mask game, that's what it's known as. And that's, that's an in the lab we need to do, the, yep. the Texans games with names. The clown mask game, he didn't have a, a ton of production in that game, but they hit him early. On they hit him ball. early, and they got him involved immediately. Early. Yeah. And it was like three catches for thirty something yards. It was not much, but he had big catches, first down catches, and you just didn't want him to go off, yep. especially after wearing a clown mask. And well, and then he did. So T.Y. Hilton not being back with the Colts, like. Thank God. Here's so here are the numbers on T.Y. Hilton. Twenty career games against the Texans, fourteen and six in those games. So he's won eight more times than yep. he's lost. Yep. A hundred three catches in twenty games for eighteen hundred yards. <laughs> so just under just under ten and a hundred yep. per you know, he didn't he didn't crack those. Seventeen point seven yards a catch though against the Texans. Eleven touchdowns all time in those twenty games. Yikes. Yeah, I mean so he just roasted and doing the clown mask. That was the that was the capper. That's yeah, what put it over I the mean. top for me. But I, I just had a hard time, you know. And I brought this up. I can't remember. I happened to be. We were trying to figure out what we we're going to do for that segment. I don't know what it was that I thought about that made me think about doing the the villain topic. And it just sort it's of a hit great me. idea. It hit me. I was like, mm, let's do this. And I didn't tell Mark we were going to do it because I always feel like that you get a little bit more of a visceral reaction mm-hmm, mm-hmm. to the names and the the individuals that, that you bring up. And I think you automatically go to Peyton just because you beat him twice. You beat him in 10. You did beat him in 12, but that was it. You know, he set yeah. the records against you in 2013. The comeback games, the Rosencopter game, they're just the comebacks he had against the Texans. He to me he the, you you can argue Peyton won Ty two or vice versa, but I, I think it's those two. He's amazing with, with a bullet. I just don't think about him as a villain because he's he was so excellent against everybody. Yeah, you know it seemed I, I like it. it seemed like Hilton rose his game to yeah. another level when he played it. Now Ty Hilton's a phenomenal player. Yeah, yeah. To the point where I even on our group little text thread earlier this summer. I said the Texans ought to give him a look. If he plays at Energy Stadium, he's going to blow it up yeah. for eight games. Give him a look uh, in free agency. <laughs> not? If he's, it's not, not anywhere, so why not? Why the hell not? Okay, so it's a cool list, and it's on HoustonTexans.com in the mobile app. Gillette Stadium I thought was a nice one. Yeah, Mark um, changed that because I started wondered. with Brady, and then we started with Edelman, and then we started talking about the losses we've had, and Mark, uh, the losses we've had up there, and Mark just said, I think it's Gillette Stadium. 
And then as he talked, he talked himself into it even more. And I'm like, I think you're right. You've had gut punches there, yep. 17 oh. and 18 with Deshaun. Yep. You've had absolute undressings, like Monday Night Football yep. in 2012, and then the playoff game there. You've had – you should have gone in and won. You were playing against a third-string quarterback. Yeah. And you got Thursday shut out. 16. Uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, it was it was awful. So that's a great, great villain. Uh, Robert Mathis, Dwight Freedy, that's – yeah, that's fine. They're all Colts if yeah. it's not Gillette Stadium. And you know what? They they had to fill in the blank blank yourself. Yeah, that's what for Mark number did, five. Yeah. Yeah. I'm gonna fill in the blank and I'm gonna I'm gonna get under your skin with this. Oh boy. This is gonna make you kind of angry. Because this is a guy who gets you angry whenever his name comes up. And I think he's on the he might not body of work might not have enough yet, but dang it, it seems like every time we play them, Darius Leonard does something to screw things up. Throw the monkey in I the wrench, as John McClain from Die Hard said. Listen, I mean, I do not disagree with you at all. The reason that he gets under my skin, it's all the other like antics and the, that's why. the dancing and things that's like that. That's why. Just, that's why he's a villain. That's, it, those are villainous things. You're, no, you're you're absolutely right. He fit. Uh, you will have no disagreement with me on on villain. How about how about the numbers? Listen to the numbers. He's played in eight games against the Texans. Okay. Um. Nine, if you include the playoff games, so seven and two all time. Go to one category games. for me. Which one? Go to FF. Force fumbles. He's forced three in the regular season. Okay. He's also picked off two passes, and what he's done is he spaced those out. It's yeah. not all in the same game, and I mean he's ended games. Twenty nineteen seems like against Kiki QT a few times. The fumble he forced against mm-hmm. the Texans in twenty twenty. He ended the game in 2019 with the pick and then the pie face of Kenny Stills. Mm-hmm. Uh, forced a f- punched out a fumble of David Johnson, either 20 or 21. I can't remember which one it was. He is an absolute thorn in the side. Now, you said he's, he's played eight games, but all eight games, he just – I've said this. He doesn't tackle anybody anymore. Well, Last year he was playing with, a, was, with such a bum ankle yeah. that it was, it was hard. It was really hard to watch him move. He just – so he just decided, forget it. Let everybody else make tackles. I'm going to punch everything out. To that point, check out the numbers, though, tackles-wise. Yeah. Last year, yes, he only had a combined 11 tackles in those right. two games. But listen now, he started his career as a rookie in 18. He had a sack and 13 tackles in the first game he played. Yep. A sack and 12 tackles in the second game, and he also broke up a pass. And those were both in 18, right? Those are both in 18. Right. And then in the playoff game, he gets another 13 tackles, breaks up another pass. So, I mean... Double digits each time, and then followed it up with 10 tackles in the first game in 19. He also had the pick. He broke up the pass. Next game in 19, forces a fumble. Has only six tackles. Has only six tackles the first game in 20, but breaks up a pass. 15 tackles that second game in 20, along with another forced fumble, which is a big one. And then, yeah, Darius Leonard... And then he he was jawed about him on on their hard knocks in season yeah. last. I mean he, I think he's a legitimate Texans villain, and he he's creeping I, close. He's not up in T Y Hilton territory. That guy's in a class all by himself in my mind. I don't disagree with you yeah. at all. The fact that you put another Colt in there, which is not surprising, it's AFC South. Sure. You're going to play those teams twice a year, so you're going to create probably more, you know, villainous uh, activities with with those in your division. I asked Mark this. Maybe in a roundabout way. But I wanted to come up with some villains that came from different 
you know, outside the AFC South. Yeah. You go so, Slauson with the Jets, wrecking Cushing's ooh, knee. Oh, that's a good one. The one that I came up with was the Every Four Years Club. Players that you faced every four years. Uh-huh. Eli Manning. Eli Manning. Oh, Never beat him. Tony Romo. Oh, I didn't think about Romo. But I came up with Eli Manning, Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. and Russell Wilson. You've not beaten Russell Wilson. No. You beat Rodgers the first time in 08, but in 12, he lit you up like a Christmas tree. 16 is the RALAX year, and he has the game-winning touchdown to Jordy Nelson that put him in the lead for, for good. And then 2020, he beat just a total blitzkrieg here during the COVID year. Russell Wilson beats you in 13, comes from behind. 17 comes from behind. 2021 gets a win against you. He's 3-0. and Eli Manning never lost against you. I called it the every four years, guys. Hold, hold on a second. Rewind. What did you say? R-I-L-I what? X? In 2016, the Packers the Packers were like – I'm trying to remember what the record was. It was like five – they were five and six or six and five. Right. It was and it was in early December. And it was a had like four or five games left. So it was 2016. Yeah. So they, they had, like had five or six. kind of had to win out, yeah. And so everybody's panicking. And he went on the radio – and he was like, relax. Oh, R-E-L-A-I-X. Relax. So, Relax. Yeah. Yeah, he was basically telling everybody to relax, and then he won every game. And what I remember about that game in particular in 2016 was he was playing with a hammy. I think it was a hammy. In the snow. In the snow that he could barely move. And yet he scrambled for one key first down. He hit a he hit a wonderful – the throw to Jordy Nelson was just incredible for a touchdown. He's doing all this in a snowstorm. And just making it look easy. And he he looked on the field like he was that guy just going, relax, man, we're good. But I call it the every four years club because never beaten Eli, never mm-hmm. beaten Russell, and only beat Rodgers that first time in the three games after that where he's three and one. So those are the ones I came up with outside the AFC South. And those I kind of put all in one. They kind of fit all into one category. So I was like, I liked it. Those are good. I liked it. Jeremy Shockey you could throw in there because yeah. back in 11, he got on – he was with the Panthers, and he got on D'Amico Ryan's. Oh, he was he was kind of nasty in that game. Was yeah, he he had that pre- the preseason game, the very first game the Texans played when they played up in <laughs> um, in Canton in the Hall yeah, of Fame game against the Giants. Yeah. And of course, it was a preseason game, so you take it for what it is. But um, yeah, Shockey's Shockey's a good one. I brought up Corlin Finnegan. Oh yeah, just, he's absolutely in there. Absolutely, I don't know. That's an oversight. How did I not? Well, because he actually played okay against the Texans. Yeah, yeah, he. I, and I brought up Pac-Man Jones, too, because I felt like Pac-Man Jones – now, the Texans did, quote-unquote, get him later when he went to the Bengals. Right. He really didn't do much. But with the Titans, he was he was pretty darn good. The one villain that I don't think either, you know, either one of us, I guess, had the heart to bring up, and because I think it was such a short time frame, was Vince Young. Yeah. Because Vince Young fit the category of being a villain, of what you would think of being a villain, coming back to his home city and – yeah. You know, Vince, but he really was not. He was really not great in any of those games after that. I mean, he was good, but he wasn't great. He wasn't the reason the Titans ended up winning those games. It was Chris Johnson, yeah. and I brought up Chris Johnson, CJ2K, because that dude was unbelievable. But that was a really, really, really short. That was like basically 08, 09, mm-hmm. or 07, 08. I think it was 08, 09. 09, he had a huge game against the Texans. Yeah, in, I think that was the year he went 2K. Week two, yeah. So it was 2009. He was know, well, 08, 08 was 2K, and then week two of 09. That's when they left him wide open. Out wide. They didn't cover him. They I mean, you say wide. Him. There's wide open. And then there's not covering And then there's, guy, like, yeah. having the entire side of the field yeah. with no defender near him, and that's yeah. what they did. A couple others that I, I think Mark brought this up. 
Um, and Dominican Sue. Good one, yeah, for kicking Schaub. Kick, kicking Schaub. And then on Fat Albert Hainsworth was the other one. Yeah, for breaking Schaub's list, Frank. I kind of felt like that was a – I mean, look, villains can be one-time or they can be yeah. villainous. That's kind of where the shocky thing came from. Yeah, yeah, more like a one-time villain. Like, ooh, man, Slauson kind of fits in that yep. category, mm-hmm. like a one-timer. Uh, but we've talked about this ad nauseum about – if Albert Hainsworth doesn't break Matt Schaub's foot, basically. Who knows what the Texans What happens with yeah. 2011? And at that point, what happens with T.J. Yates? You know, all those sure. kind of things that, that ended up coming out of it. There were some great things that came out of it. There were also probably the possibility of winning a Super Bowl was right there that year with that team getting as hot as it was at that time. So um, he's, he definitely fits in there. Another one to me that wasn't he was injured so often. I couldn't remember how often he played against the Texans, but he was just such a force when he was on the field, and that was Bob Sanders. But I don't remember him playing all that much against the Texans. I remember him being banged up and injured mm-hmm. a lot when he was playing um, against the Texans. So I don't really think of him too much as kind of a, as kind of a villain. I think T.Y. Payton fit that. Darius fits that. I mean, those you know, funky dances he's doing after he's making a, a tackle for seven yards. He makes plays against the Texans. He does. He just you know. he loves seeing the Texans. Then you're right, seeing the hard knocks. The hard knocks is always sort of interesting from that angle as you get to hear what those players are saying about your particular team and, you know, hearing Darius Leonard talk about that and Pharaoh and whatever, whoever he had a beef with. It was just, yeah. And he, you're, you're, that's a good call. If you put him at number five, I'll roll with it. So Bob Sanders, to, to bring him up, boy. He only played seven games against the Texans. Six yeah. and one, the Colts were, but he was inactive in 04 for the second game. Yep. He played both games in 05, inactive in 06 for a game. Missed both games in 08, was on injured reserve in 09. Played a few snaps, I guess. The first game here in 09, or excuse me, in 10, and then didn't play in the second one. I mean, that's yeah, sad. The just yeah, that the guy injury. was a playmaker, and he, he but he's just. I think he was, his body wasn't built to. I mean, he was five eight. Yeah, he was five eight two hundred five, and I mean, he was fearless. Yep. I mean, he was absolutely fearless, and I and I worry about guys. I mean, look, I think Jalen Petrie is going to be one heck of a player, but one of his greatest assets might turn into one of his liabilities if he's not careful, and that is his fearlessness. Mm-hmm. He has no issue whatsoever throwing his body in the two hundred fifteen pound running backs repeatedly. It's. I mean, you don't want to curtail that, but I always think about Bob Sanders when mm-hmm. I think about a player like Jalen. Now, Jalen's a little bit bigger. He's 5'10", 5'11"-ish, 200 pounds. So he's he's built a little differently from Bob Sanders, but that same sort of fearless nature of you're in a different colored jersey and I'm going to hit you with everything I got. Yeah. It, it does It does worry me a little bit, but if, there's some, if there is a player that I am thrilled – to watch this year is Jalen Petrie. John, I'm glad you bring that up because Jalen Petrie was actually named to the preseason wow. or an early projection of the 2022 all-rookie teams. Really? He was put there at safety. Who do you think the other two Texans? There's three of them named on these teams. Who do you think the other two happen to be? I mean, my, be? my guess would be Stingley and, and Kenyon. False, as uh, Dwight Schrute would oh, say. Damian Pierce. Correct. Damian Pierce was... Uh, Damian Pierce is one. Because it, I think the projection was he's he's got a good chance yeah, yeah, of getting yeah. in there because of who's right. in the running back room with him. Right. It's, it's a different running back Petrie room. Petrie and Kenyon. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Christian Harris was the other one. Ah, okay. Linebacker Christian Harris, who Lovey Smith 
Nick Casario had a nice fit tan and glove. Yeah. Yeah. Had a nice bro hug over. They're excited about that. And, you know, he's, he's one of those guys that supposedly, or not supposedly, but seemingly should be able to cover, hit, get after the quarterback from time to time. Let's see. It plays out like that. Christian's fantastic. Jalen Petrie's awesome. Damian Pierce is the thousand yard rusher that John McClain has, has gone out on a limb and said he's going to be. Will you be frustrated? And here's why I ask. Will you be frustrated that Derek Stingley and Kenyon Green aren't on that all-rookie team? Now, it, there, there's a lot that, can, that could mean. And, you know, may, maybe Stingley and Kenyon Green play all season long. But, you know, Zion Johnson, who was another first-rounder from the Chargers, has a tremendous year in the Chargers to go to the Super Bowl. And because a lot of it, especially with offense, a lot is about perception. Mm-hmm. And maybe Stingley has a great year, but, you know, Sauce is tremendous. And, you know, maybe there's some rookie corner that I can't think of off the top of my head that has seven, eight interceptions, whatever team. And it's Sauce and that guy. But Stingley has seven, you know, plays 16, 17 games, plays well. But if those guys play at a high level, then, okay. But if they don't make a rookie team like this, and I know a lot of it has to do with prestige and, you know, national media and how it's perceived, all that kind of stuff. But if those three players are making it from a preseason standpoint, then eyes are certainly on the Texans and the Texans' rookies for earning such honors. If Kenyon and Derek are not part of that, are you worried? Not really. Does it worry you? Not really because I think, let's say he does, Stingley, play all, all the games that you're talking about. Yeah. I think a lot of it, though, based on who he is, based on – what teams will see on tape based on his reputation. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that just kind of try to stay away from him. I, I and if you right. do that, yeah. you're not going to get stats. You're not That's going to get good. attention because somebody else is the ball. You know, somebody else is getting targeted. True. So I think that could be a good thing. And if that's the case, you're doing it. That, we, I think we kind of saw that a lot with Jonathan Joseph in his early years here. Yep. The ball didn't go his way a whole heck of a lot. In case in point, Teron Diggs was outstanding last year for the yeah. Cowboys, right? Yeah. He had what? 10 interceptions. Mm-hmm. But he also had the other side of it where teams were challenging him because they saw on film that he was slopping his technique. Yeah. bite on double moves. And teams challenged him. Now they got burned a few times, but they also hit. So he was kind of the, the yin and the yang of yep. exactly what you're saying. Right. Because he made you pay if you want to have too much. But if you want to add him enough, you were going to end up hitting a big one over the top. Which is why I could see Petrie benefiting from stuff like that. True. You know, because he true. is more around the line. He is right. more disruptive, more, you know. Around the ball, I think he could kind of feast. He can on stuff a like that. stat sheet, and that's a little bit easier for something like this as opposed to, man, we just didn't throw it Stingley. Yeah, and, and and the opportunities aren't quite there. And then to finish that part of the, that question that you asked, I think if okay, if Green doesn't make it, but Pierce does, but Green played the whole season, I think that means Green has done something to help Pierce out in that regard. Right, right, right. And Absolutely. offensive linemen don't get that recognition a lot, but I, I would I would think that he's done a good job. Right. Especially if he's going to play the whole year, yeah, that I means he's. So. Yeah, I, I, I didn't. I, I just thought about that because I think the natural inclination is well, they had two first round picks; those will be the guys. Because of what that list represents, yeah. I mean, every, every time it's you know an honor, it's like how can we quantify to be able to say to people, well, we think Kenny Green is fantastic. Well, why do you think that? And I typically go to you know things I see on tape. Well, he can do this on power. Yeah. He moves people. You know. Does he, that's not that easy to give a guy credit and say, hey, this guy should be a – he should be on the all-rookie team because 
he's knocking people off the ball consistently, et cetera. You want to quantify that in some sense. And so I just, when it was not Stingley and it was not Kenyon Green, I kind of thought, hmm, all right. So what if, as first-round picks, mm-hmm. the first first-round picks you've made since 2019, yep. what if the other guys are all that in a bag of chips and they're just not where they need to be or not where you'd want them to be? Would that disappoint you? And I don't think I'd be disappointed because I think there are a lot of different ways, like we pointed out, that, that it can go. You may not go after Stingley. You know, hopefully Kenyon's going to jump into that starting lineup at some point and he won't move out of it for the next 10 years, uh, hopefully. Uh, but, you know, you never know how things are going to go down. And I think it was Darius Leonard who ended up, if I remember correctly, Darius Leonard didn't make Pro Bowl or didn't make all pro. No, he didn't make Pro Bowl the first year, going back to our conversation mm-hmm. about there. And he was incredible. Yeah. I mean, he was unbelievable. He didn't make Pro Bowl. And then you find out, oh, well, you know, that was because he was listed as an outside linebacker. Well, that meant he was against all the edge rushers. Yeah. Like, wait, that's dumb. That's not the position. So he didn't have the sack numbers. Yeah, yeah. So it became kind of a number comparison. The- so I don't panic about it at all. I really don't worry about it. But the fact that the recognition for those three guys being second, third, fourth round picks, I think is huge. I think it, it's fantastic. And I like the guy that wrote it and had these projections, this guy named Chad Reeder. Is it yeah. Chad Reuter? Yeah, Chad. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for NFL.com. I think he does a good job. Yeah, he's very he, good. He, I, very enjoy, I enjoy his, his mock drafts. Yeah, he's not going to do the surface level, hey, um, it's well thought out. Yeah, it's well researched. Very, very, very well respected, I yeah. think. Yeah. I, 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 so I thought that was cool because he also didn't go with like what you're talking about. He didn't just go the chalk. Right, you he know, didn't like go chalk. Yep, exactly. Yeah, that dude, Chad Reuter, he knows what he's doing. There's no doubt the three players that he had picked, the rookies, Jalen Petrie, Damian Pierce, and Christian Harris, in rounds two, three, and four. Now, I do think that Derek Stingley will be a part of that. I think both Kenny Green and Derek Stingley will be part of that. Got to be healthy and hopefully – they will be healthy um, as we get near training camp and well, selfishly we get a chance to watch them. Now, I alluded to earlier there's been a trade in the NFL and we will discuss that as we go around the NFL next on Texas All Access. All Access. All Access. All Access. We got one final segment this Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst, sideline reporter. And as we go around the NFL, there's one major story. It's one we've actually been talking about for a while. Baker Mayfield, Lake Travis High School, Texas Tech, Oklahoma, Cleveland Browns, now has a new zip code, and it is for Charlotte, North Carolina. The Carolina Panthers have traded a conditional 2024 fifth-round pick to the Browns for Baker Mayfield. Now, the one thing that I always brought up was the money because it was like $18, 19000000 million, something like that, that he was uh, earmarked to be paid in 2022. The Browns will pay Baker Mayfield $10.5 million this season. So they knocked off about eight, eight and a half million dollars in cash and salary cap space. The Panthers will pay Mayfield five million. Mayfield agreed to knock off three and a half million off his base salary for the trade to be completed. Now, he apparently can get that money back if he hits certain incentives. Charles Robinson from Yahoo Sports 
talked about the conditional aspect of it. The conditional ceiling of the fifth-round pick the Panthers dealt to the Browns for Baker Mayfield is a fourth-rounder, source says. This is far better than anything the two sides worked on during the draft, largely because Mayfield is surrendering salary to make it happen. He then went on to say that he can get that back with playing time incentives, statistical incentives, all that kind of stuff. So the Panthers have traded for Baker Mayfield one year after they traded for Sam Darnold. A few months after they drafted Matt Corral. So we're going to fire a few college football legends at the quarterback canvas, and one of them might just work. I don't know. It might just work in Carolina with somebody, one of these quarterbacks. But as was pointed out, the two things to consider here. The Panthers traded a second, a third, two-fourths, a fifth, a sixth in different years for a quarterback room of Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Matt Corral, because they traded up to go get Matt Corral, which I thought was a good move at the time. Third round? Heck yeah. Go give it up. Go get him. Might as well. What do you got to lose at that point? So they have Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Matt Corral there in Carolina. And Donald, I would imagine Donald and Baker Mayfield now compete for the starting job. They were drafted numbers one and three in the 2018 draft. They're now members of the Carolina Panthers. And look, my family, a lot of my family is in Carolina. They're big Carolina fans. Even the ones that have moved to Virginia are big Carolina fans. So I want to see them do well when we're not playing them. But this move I look at and think, yikes, wow. So the flip side, that's the Browns. The Browns are paying Baker Mayfield $10.5 million this year. And they're paying a certain other quarterback about $45, $46 million. We'll see how many games they get out of those two. So Browns paying for a lot of quarterbacks and a lot of quarterback money that may not benefit them in 2022. Oh, and by the way, the Browns are at the Panthers week one. Let's go Panthers. And you know why I'm saying that. But that's the big news in the NFL today. Baker Mayfield traded to the Carolina Panthers, former number one overall pick. Jared Goff was the number one overall pick in 16. He got moved to the Detroit Lions a couple years ago. And now it's Baker Mayfield moving to the Carolina Panthers. Big thanks to everybody who worked on this show. Thank you to Drew. Thank you to Steven Nelson, to Mark. We'll see you all tomorrow. And as always, go Texans.